Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and this is episode 51. And guys, this is a really good one. I'm so excited. I want to start off with a question for you. And that is, why are you doing this? Why have you decided to have a home birth or birth center birth or a natural birth in general? What's your reason behind that? And have you considered it? Now, that's not all we're going to be delving into today. This is one of the seven topics that Brooke and I are going to be covering. Now, let me give you just a little background on Brooke. She is a home birth mom of four, but she wears so many hats other than just amazing home birth mom, which is huge in and of itself. She has worked as a birth photographer, as a student midwife, as a doula, and then she kind of blended all of these different aspects of her life together to create an amazing class called Embrace. So Brooke is a holistic health coach as well as a counselor. So just all of the different ways that she has tied her passions together is so evident in this episode, and I can't wait for you to hear it. So as we go in, just please keep that why question in your mind. We're going to return to it at the end. I don't want to waste any of your time, so let me just very briefly say If you haven't left a review on iTunes, I would love for you to consider doing that, please. It really helps the show get found by other moms who might be interested in home birth. Also, go ahead and take a screenshot really quickly now that you're listening and post it to your Instagram stories tagging Happy Home Birth Podcast. I will be sure to add you in mine. And then finally, if you aren't following Happy Home Birth on Facebook, Go ahead and like Happy Home Birth. Excuse me, I can't talk. Facebook.com forward slash Happy Home Birth Podcast. I get on there every Friday morning now at 10 a.m. Eastern and talk to you about a specific topic related to home birth and all of this natural childbirth goodness. So this coming Friday, we're going to be really delving into what it means to take charge of your birth. With the Happy Home Birth Academy launch on the way in January, we are really gearing up with the information and I cannot wait to share it with you. Okay, let's dive in. Please keep in mind that the opinions of my guests might not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa, and also neither one of us are medical providers, so please continue to see your doctor, your midwife, or if you're like me, your chiropractor. Brooke, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. It's my pleasure. I've been looking forward to it. Oh, I am so happy to have you. I know that you have experienced so much, uh, and I'm sorry, everybody that's listening, I've got a an unhappy baby right now, but, but <laughs> the show must go on. <laughs> so, um, I was so excited to interview you and, and talk with you about this because you've really experienced a lot when it comes to childbirth, you've experienced it from a whole bunch of different angles. Um, so before we get into that, I would love for you to just introduce yourself to the listeners, um, and just tell them about yourself and your family. Sure. Um, yeah, I'm Brooke and I'm located in Grand Rapids, Michigan area and, um, just live a little bit outside the city in an old farmhouse and a little land. Um, I'm married to, um, 
man who is a pastor and a 24-7 prayer movement. And we have four kids, ages eight, six, four, and two. And they were all born at home. Um, and over the last 10 plus years, I've been a family photojournalist, um, photographing people, family life, just in the natural in their homes. And then that moved into birth photography and then eventually added doula work to that. And also did a stint as a, um, home birth midwife apprentice. Mm -hmm. So it's been a journey and a joyful one. That is incredible. So, so way back with your way back eight years with, with baby number one, what made you decide to con- consider home birth? Actually, even before I was married or thinking of having children, um, I was always one of those people who was just a little bit fundamentally uncomfortable with hospitals. They weren't places of comfort for me. Um, nothing medical was. So you don't I like first, fluorescent lights? I, no, it's weird, but no. <laughs> <laughs> fluorescent lights and the smell and the white, like the sterile environment. Um, yeah, never resonated. I've always hmm. just been a little bit more on the quote unquote crunchy side um, instinctively. So when it, when I became aware that one could have one's baby at home, (laughs) it kind of seemed like a self-evident, Oh yeah, well, of course I'd want to do that. Um, so I carried that desire with me even into like, um, dating. Right. And it was one of the things that my husband to be husband had to talk about before you're even married. Um, cause it was pretty important to me from the get go. And what was, what was his thought on that when you brought that up? He, he, it just never occurred to him, which mm-hmm. I think is probably, I've come to realize is very common. Right. Um, often I meet women who really want a home birth and they're like, but my husband, um, he's never thought of it. He feels like it's dangerous. So my husband had some of those same initial reactions, but after some conversation and just explaining more and also watching um, the business of being born, which I know so many people cite as a factor in their home birth decision. Uh, that really did help him, though, to come around to the idea. And then he was yeah. super supportive. Yeah. That's great. I do feel like the business of being born is it's great for everyone. But I do feel like there's something about it that just really draws husbands in. And I 100% makes, agree. You know, yeah. It makes them think, OK, yeah, we should do this. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's like it convinces maybe that like that more rational part of their brain mm-hmm. that that it makes sense, I guess. Right, yeah. right. Beyond mm-hmm. just the emotionalism of, well, but I don't like fluorescent lights. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. really neat. Yeah, and I, that's funny. So when I met my husband, I already knew. You know, I was actually uh-huh. working as an apprentice, so it was just kind of uh-huh. like, hey, this is um, <laughs> this is how it's gonna have to be. Yes. And uh, and he has said so many times over the years, I'm so glad that you knew what you were talking about. Like, I'm so glad that you knew about this because I would have never known, like I would have never thought about or considered how birth affects my children even, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. Yes. That's really cool. Yeah. And my husband said that too, after I first was born, he said, I don't know why anyone would do this any other way. Mm -hmm. And how was that first birth? What was that like? Um, it was actually the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, it was 48 hours Woo! of pretty active labor and um, some back pain with it, like back labor. And it was at home, so obviously, and I didn't have air conditioning, and it was like oh. 90 degrees. And um, it was just a slow-moving 
hard labor, which I was overcoming internally a lot of, I think, emotional and psychological roadblocks, as well as just a first baby is paving the way. So it's just harder work. But mm-hmm. um, um, emerging on the other side of it, after five hours of pushing, having oh. avoided a cesarean felt like such a triumph. Yes. Um, and I remember feeling really hard on myself afterwards that I had been a sissy or a baby, like too wimpy and whiny. Um, and had like this narrative that I had kind of like performed badly almost. And I had to kind of work through that, which my midwives came back and had this session with me in which they just processed that. And I feel like another reason I love midwifery, your OB would never do that. (laughs) Um, so after we processed that together, that helped a lot. And I know if I'd been in the hospital that we would have had a C-section. Um, so yeah, I feel like, um, Though it was absolutely very, very difficult, there was zero regrets and just a huge sense of being empowered to then face the hard work of being a mom (laughs) to a hard baby, honestly. She was not a very easy baby. Oh, my goodness. Yep. I, I totally agree. If you can, you know, if you can start off with something tough, then it sets you up for like, okay, this might not always be easy, but look what else you got through. So yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's incredible. Mm -hmm. And then what, what other births stick out to you? Do you have another birth story? One of your few that you just think, wow, this one was so empowering from my own birth. you mean? Yes. Yeah. Um, well, my second one was awesome because I was expecting, I was like praying, Jesus, if it could be half the length, if it could be 24 hours instead of 48, <laughs> was what I was praying. Um, and then it ended up being five total. Wow. And I was so in denial about it that even when my midwife was like, do you want to have your baby here on the bathroom floor? I was like, we're not there yet. <laughs> she says, oh, but we are. It can't like, be. What? Um, and he just came flying out and he was my biggest baby. And I just felt like a million bucks after that one. Um, just like, Oh my word, my body just did that like that easily. And had this amazing sense of cooperating with him in labor. Like I felt really in touch with my baby and felt like we were working together beautifully. Um, yeah, it was a really great, joyful experience. Um, That's and my next incredible. two were really great too. So um, also very short, three and a half to five hours each. And Oh, good. Yeah. That is awesome. So in mm-hmm. all of this process, when did you start working in the childbirth field? Like when did mm-hmm. you decide to, um, well, were you doing photography at the beginning for birth, like birth photography? Um, I had been a photographer for many years before I had a baby. Um, but birth photography came online for me after my firstborn. So I had, um, my midwife's apprentice at the time was also a photographer and she photographed my first birth. And I remember thinking, I would love to try that. And when my daughter was about six months old, my midwife had a client who wanted her birth photographed and she asked if I would like to come do that. And, um, it was actually part of my barter with my midwife. Oh, very nice. Um, yeah. So I went and photographed, um, this home birth of a second baby in a pool in her living room. And that was the first time I'd witnessed someone else's birth and had my camera up to my eye while doing it. Um, and I loved it so much that I knew I wanted to keep doing it. And so I kind of just worked towards integrating it into my services menu as a photographer over the next few years and just kind of took off. Wow. So that was uh, about eight years ago. 
Okay. And so you went from the birth photography into a doula role as well. How did that, how did that happen? Actually, first I went into, um, midwifery apprenticeship. Okay. Uh, because I started noticing over the years of photographing births while also being a self-professed birth junkie who read all the books and studied midwifery for fun, that um, <laughs> I was kind of naturally starting to move into a different way of being at a birth. It was no longer strictly holding a camera. And it seemed like I was noticing my birth photography clients leaning into me in some more doula-like ways. And I'd been had this long obsession with midwifery memoirs. And when I was pregnant with my fourth, I kind of thought, I think I might want to try this and just kind of take a few steps in the direction of pursuing midwifery, see how that feels, because this has been an ongoing and intense passion. And it seems like uh, moving into it might, might be just worth trying. Uh, So my midwife was willing to take me on to try it out. And um, I did that for about nine months with her and 43 births during that time. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, it was. She has a really busy practice, um, so it was a lot of great experience, and it <sighs> definitely took a while to learn how to be present um, without my camera. Uh, just like a different way of being there, um, and different skill set, obviously. And um, so, how was that with having uh, a small child? Was that with one child at that point? No, I had four then. Oh, so my fourth. My fourth was a very small baby when I started. Okay. Um, and she would come to prenatals with me for the first several months before she was mobile. Uh, she never actually went to a birth with me. She went to one with me when I was just a photographer, but, um, so yeah, that was hard. Like, you know, just, um, getting up to go in the middle of the night, even though I co-slept was obviously challenging. Um, we, I just had to have a pump with me all the time. And occasionally during a long labor, I would run home and nurse her and then come back. Um, we made it work. That is really, yeah, I, I, all the props to all the midwives and student midwives out there with children or birth workers (laughs) in general, the doulas, the birth photographers, it is that on-call schedule and, uh, you know, having little ones, it can be really tough, which always I'm on this side trying to, uh, to promote sustainable midwifery. Yes. Um, so like that ability to have time off call that you know is going to consistently happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so any of you who are interested in learning more about that, check out my episode with Madeline Murray, Believe in Midwifery, and then go look her up on Instagram because she is really spreading the word about that. Um, mm-hmm. And and that's the model of the future. You know, it's yes. having a few midwives in a practice because we can't we can't deal with this kind of burnout, which is what which is what I dealt with and why I stepped back for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, that is that's a that's a yeah. lot. You're so right, Caitlin, and um, I love Madeline's work and what she's mm-hmm. promoting so much. And um, I haven't I haven't been able to experience it that way, and that's part of what um, led to my recent decision to take a break from attending births because um, until there's a way to do it sustainably. Um, it didn't seem like my family could continue to afford it. If right. that makes sense. I don't mean financially. No, just um, although like that's part of it too. Mom. <laughs> but yeah, just um, in order to be the kind of a present and hands-on, reliably um, available mother that yes. I want to be, while we home educate our kids, um, just um, wasn't working for now. So there you yeah. go. Well, I yeah. get it. And once again, that's. I'm over here promoting sustain, sustainable midwifery because keep it, at it. <laughs> you know, it just it's so important to to have 
a family life and to be able to, to help women at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so though you are helping women in another way now, and that is through your own childbirth education program. So, yeah. so tell me about that. How did you create this? What went into it? Just tell me all about it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, it kind of, it came out of, after my midwifery apprenticeship, I started offering some doula like services that was a little bit outside the box in that it, um, it was just kind of based on all the different things that I've done in my life. Like I have a um, holistic um, coach, holistic health coaching oh, certificate at, through the Institute yeah, of think, Integrative Nutrition. Yes. We did talk about yes. this. We've talked uh-huh. about this before. <laughs> um, and I also have a master's degree in counseling. Mm. Um, and then I had all this experience in birth work and as a photographer. So I ended up making this holistic doula package that included all of that. So um, just extra prenatals and postpartum visits and digging into nutrition and movement and um, kind of like the emotional, psychological, spiritual pieces of of being pregnant and giving birth and becoming a mother. Um, so I was offering that like in a one-on-one basis with my holistic doula clients. And then at some point that turned into, what if I could package all of this up and put it into an online course that anyone could access anywhere um, and yeah, just make that available. And I wanted it to come from the same kind of sisterly tone that I lead out with as a doula. My business is called sister birth. Um, and that is meant to get at the fact that I see myself not so much as like this expert who's going to tell somebody what to do and like follow these three steps and you're going to have, you know, the perfect outcome. More like, this is a sister who's just walked perhaps a little bit further down the road than you have in this particular area and happens to be a birth dork and a counselor and a holistic health coach. And um, can I just offer that to you to companion you on your journey? And I wanted that same flavor to come across in the online course when I was creating it. And that was really a guiding um, factor for me. And also I ended up integrating in my Christian spirituality so the class is um, really geared especially for mamas who want to try for a natural birth and who want to kind of infuse their experience with their faith, like to um, walk through their pregnancy and their birth and their postpartum and just exploring it really holistically. Like, how does this impact my body and my spirit and my mind and my emotions and how can I prepare on all of those levels as well and experience the presence of God through it? Um, and yeah, so that's kind of the spirit of it. That's amazing that I really feel like, you know, the spirituality aspect of it can be so powerful and something that, you know, that moms can really cling to during, during labor, during pregnancy, but really during labor. Um, so the fact that you're preparing in that way is really neat. And I love what you're saying about, coming alongside as a sister, someone who, you know, is not saying like, oh, I know everything about everything, but hey, I, I've been here and this is what I got out of it. And I'm here to support you as you go through it as well. I, that's a really beautiful aspect. Thank you. And now I want for us to turn, well, actually, before we do this, um, where can people find out more about your, um, about your childbirth education program. And what's the name of it? Mm-hmm. The course is called Embrace, a sisterly guide to having babies bravely. 
Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. And where can, can we find that? It's at my sister birth website, sisterbirth.com forward slash embrace. Okay, perfect. And I will put that in the show notes for anybody that is interested in checking that out. Um, But now I was thinking you have a freebie guide that I think everyone should go download um, and follow along with us, but it's seven common mistakes. I'll let you, you say the whole title of it. Yeah, it's kind of long. (laughs) Seven mistakes mamas make when planning a natural birth and how to avoid them. Very Mm -hmm. cool. So I thought that it would be really fun for us to kind of go over some of these um, and see what have you seen through all of your experience? What are the mistakes that moms are making as they try to plan and how can we avoid them? Sure. I actually have the handout right in front of me, so I'll just kind of work through them one by one. Lovely. I'll just say a little bit about each. And then obviously, if anybody wants to read more, they can get their hands on it. Um, But the first one is that they don't get clear on their why. Mm. Um, And what I mean by that is I think I've met a lot of women who say, I think I want to try for a natural birth, but we'll see how it goes. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And when you dig a little deeper they don't seem to know why they would even try for it other than that it seems to be the thing to do. Right. <laughs> um, and I find that in life, whenever we're trying to do a thing that's hard and it's going to really challenge us, if we're not really clear about why we want to do it, we're probably not going to. Yes. Yep. That, that decision to like, oh, hey, I'm committing to this. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like it's easy to be like, well, I'm going to try maybe to do this thing. I'll consider it possibly. But actually saying like, hey, this is what I plan to do. And there's a level of, but what if I fail? And Mm -hmm. that kind of fear of failure that I think sometimes might hold moms back from saying, this is what I want to do and I'm going to work as hard as I can on my end to to do it. Yeah. And this is why I want to do it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, And everyone's going to have a different why. Somebody's might be, they're concerned for their baby being affected by the drugs of pain relief or... Another person's why might be, I want to know that I can. Another person's why might be, I just don't want to be in a hospital, so I'm going to be at home, so therefore I have to do this naturally. (laughs) Got to figure it out. (laughs) But you have to know what yours is, and it might not be the same as your sister's or your friend's why, but just be in touch with what yours is. Very good. Yeah. Um, And the second one is that they don't plan past the birth. Oh, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I think this, yeah, it's, again, it's a common mistake. We get really, we spend a lot of time investing in reading the books and going to the classes about how to actually survive, quote unquote, labor and birth. Um, and then we kind of forget to plan past that, just like I think we do with marriage. Oh, <laughs> we good. plan for yeah. the wedding and put a lot of money into the, the wedding ceremony. And then, but maybe we haven't thought about what it's like to be married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so even just for the postpartum period. Um, I think our culture is just starting to get that, oh, we need to think about and plan for that too. And yes. um, But even past that into early motherhood and the transformation that you go through as a woman when you enter motherhood, whether for the first time or the second or the fifth. Yes. Yeah. I think that's great. Yep. And I, you know, I have been saying for for the last months as I was preparing to give birth to my second baby, mm-hmm. it, I knew this time around, whoa, I've got to do a lot more planning than I did yeah. last time. Because that, yeah, that first time, you just don't realize 
what it's going to entail. You know, you don't realize how your life is going to shift. And I think you're right. It's kind of like we went from a place where, and I know some, some moms still do this where it's like, okay, we're planning on the things like we're planning on the nursery. We're planning on the clothing and things like that. Now I do feel like more moms are like, okay, now I'm planning on the birth. We've got to plan for the birth. We've got to figure out what we're going to do during labor. What's this going to be like? Mm -hmm. But we do need to take it a step further because yeah, labor is, you know, up to 48 hours, you know, (laughs) with yours, but then early motherhood lasts a few years, right? Like we, we really need to be, to be planning for that time. And yeah, especially that that early postpartum phase is, is so significant when it comes to bonding and, um, and just being able to take care of yourself. So great one. Yeah. You got to plan to make space for that bonding to be able to happen. Exactly. And that only can work if you as a mama are being really well supported and getting a lot of um, help so that you can zone or like zero in on your baby and um, learning each other. I love that. Yeah. Um, so the third one, is the third mistake. They see birth as only a physical event, um, which it is obviously a physical event. (laughs) Um, But um, from my own experience in my own births, as well as witnessing and companioning other women through their births, um, I've seen so often how what's going on in our minds and our emotions and our relationships uh, has a significant impact on how the birth unfolds. And often when you get kind of stuck in a labor, it will be an emotional or mental piece that needs to click or shift in order for the woman to move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think it's important to be aware that your whole self is coming into the process of birthing your baby and, um, and, and towards that end to be preparing your mind and your emotions. And I, I call it like emotional nesting and Ooh, mental nesting. I love so that. while you're nesting for your house, um, you need to do that internally too. Yeah. Um, as much as we can kind of discharge fear ahead of time or talk through emotional roadblocks or do work on a relationship in the places where it's weak so that when we come into labor, we have already eliminated as much as possible some obstacles in those realms. I love that. That is that's a fantastic way to think of it. Emotional nesting. Yeah. Very good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So there's, yeah, lots more details in my handout, but I'm just skimming through here. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually have an emotional and mental birth prep checklist in this handout too, where you can actually go through and. Well, that's like double freebie right there. It kind of is. Fancy. (laughs) (laughs) Freebie within a freebie. Okay. Um, The fourth one is that they try to tame what is wild. Ooh, I love this. <laughs> and what I mean by that is we live in a world that loves formulas and equations and statistics and three steps you can take to have this thing. And you can't do that with birth. It's <laughs> um, inherently unpredictable. It will almost always surprise you. Um, and there's no two births the same. And even though we have evidence-based birth and we have these statistics about how long pushing usually lasts and how long each phase lasts, you know, um, almost all of the rules have exceptions. Oh, and yeah. I think so much of the work of, um, of having our babies is to learn how to yield and surrender to the mystery of it. Mm-hmm. And 
and to the wildness of it, not to try to control or predict it. Yep. And that is hard spiritual work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I find I need Jesus to help me do that. Um, I love it. Yeah. But also if we can learn how to, how to yield to the wild unpredictability during our birth, I think it serves us in life because surrendering um, is a practice spiritually that serves us our whole life long in a million scenarios. That is beautiful. And I can go ahead and apply that to surrendering to toddlerhood and my mm-hmm. two and a half Yep. <laughs> Girl, it's just going to be wild for a while. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so I just love, I feel like that the father has made birth to be a place where we can practice spiritual disciplines and relational and emotional health that isn't just for that period that we're in labor. Right. Um, it's, it's like a discipleship yeah, <laughs> program. It's like a microcosm of yeah. what, what we have to go through all of the time. If we'll let it be, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's really mm-hmm. cool, Brooke. Yeah. So what's number five? Number five is um, that they underestimate the hospital effect. Oh, Okay. Tell me about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Unfortunately, I see this more often than I would prefer, like a a woman who's like, I'm going to have a natural birth, intervention-free or low intervention. Um, And they even go to the hospital with their birth birth plan in hand. Um, They they end up just compromising significantly from what they were going for. Um, And I'm not trying to put a blame on the mom for that. I think that you just can't underestimate when you put yourself in an environment and, uh, um, that is inherently set up to do something other than natural birth, <laughs> it is, it's a, um, it is set up to manage and measure and, um, and it's staffed by people who may or may not have ever witnessed a natural birth. Right. Um, it is, and you don't know most times which OB you're going to get and what their predisposition is towards supporting women who want to have a natural birth. There's so many variables you can't control or predict, and you may end up with a team who doesn't get it. And just because they don't get it, they don't support it well. Not that they're trying to be mean. Um, They're not trying to plow over you, but it's just not their area of expertise. Yes. that, That reminds me, I have a friend who I was just talking to about how she went with her second baby. She still had a hospital birth, but she knew she wanted to have a natural childbirth unmedicated. And she had a nurse on staff that just was asking her every five minutes, Mm -hmm. you know, well, when do you want your epidural? When do you want your epidural? And it was like, oh my goodness, woman, how many times are you going to come in here and ask me? I'm fine. I don't, I don't want that. Um, so I do, I feel like, Sometimes when the the reason I love home birth so much is it's like, well, the things that I want are just standard, you know, standard practice. Right. But when we do go to the hospital or when someone is deciding to go to the hospital, you absolutely can have a natural childbirth. I'm Mm -hmm. not trying to say that you can't. You sure can. can. But sometimes you are adding an extra variable that could cause a a struggle, you know, and Mm -hmm. And certainly, if you're going to be finding yourself in that position, you want to guard yourself with knowledge and with a doula. Yep. (laughs) I talk about that in here, too. Don't underestimate the doula effect, either. Good, good. Okay, perfect. Let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's actually a sub point of that Mm -hmm. one. But 
Gotcha. So it's just, I think you have this environment, the hospital that's built on a philosophy of childbirth that sees birth as a pathology and offers interventions as their primary service. Right. Like in their, in their mind, if you're here, you're here to get our interventions. Um, so if they're not giving them, they don't know what they're doing. Sometimes <laughs> you bring a doula in with you and at least the continuity of care with that one person who's a hundred percent on board with, um, with what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, and can look you in the eye and see you through the hard parts and isn't going to change when the shift changes. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't underestimate how powerful that is just having them present. Yep. Yeah. And just, and just being, um, Having a, even if she's not doing much or doesn't feel like she's doing much, knowing another woman is in the room who has walked that road and has given birth naturally herself, um, it's just like you can almost draw on that strength from your sister. And I love that. Yeah. Oh. But like I said, that's a sub point of five. <laughs> Number yeah. six is um, the sixth common mistake is they trust the experts more than themselves. Ooh, very good one. Yeah. Um, now that I feel like that can happen, you know, in, in any setting, in the hospital yes. setting, in the home birth setting. So, so how have you noticed that transpiring? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is comforting to have experts, people who know more than us, um, to tell us what to do. We all kind of like that. Um, but the thing is that no one is ever going to know what you and your baby uniquely need more than you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm just always encouraging moms to keep in touch with their own, like Holy Spirit infused intuition, um, and keep listening to it every step of the way. So if you have a, whether it's a home birth midwife, like you said, or an OB at the hospital, whoever it is, or even if it's your auntie or your sister who are well-meaning and just trying to give you advice, you, you have to make sure you're continually checking in with yourself and the Holy Spirit in you as you go. And and believing that your intuition and the way the Holy Spirit speaks to you is a valid way of knowing something and a valid basis for making decisions. Um, and so if somebody is outside of yourself who's an expert is suggesting a course of action to you, that some small part of you says, oh, that doesn't feel quite right. I don't know. Mm, I have a little hesitation to go ahead and listen to it and not write yourself off as insignificant simply because you haven't gone to medical school or you're not a midwife or, or it's your first baby, you know, um, just to practice listening and trusting yourself. That's beautiful advice. Yeah. That's really fantastic. I, I don't even have anything to add to that. I do. (laughs) I will say there is a, a podcast episode that I think by the time this comes out, we'll have recently come out speaking of this very same thing. Oh, and, great. Yep. And how a, a mother felt like she needed her midwife to go ahead and head on over. But the midwife was like, oh, I think you've still got time. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> she didn't have time. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So That's really. That's a common. I've heard. I've witnessed that a lot, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and the midwife if, assumes she knows that, well, it's your first baby. You couldn't possibly be that far in labor yet. <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, but the really, mom knows. Mm-hmm, like, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so definitely hanging on to that. And of course, there are going to be many times when you do think you're in labor, you're further along than you are, and that's okay too. You know, that's that's not to say that there's anything wrong with that. It's always, I feel like, better safe than sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, well, let's head on over to our final. Uh, common mistake. Sure. And that is that they forget that a birth plan starts 
starts with pregnancy. Mm. So in one of the other mistakes we talked about, you have to go past the birth. Um, but I would just also add that um, a lot of things about how your birth progresses um, begin to be set in motion while you're pregnant. So there are a lot of lifestyle changes and ways that we can take care of ourselves nutritionally and with movement and with our thinking and belief systems while we still have our baby on the inside that can prevent and stave off a lot of the complications that end up leading to the interventions we say we don't want. Wow. Yep. Um, So you can't just skate through your pregnancy thoughtlessly and without any like loving care (laughs) to your body and expect to completely avoid interventions. Right. I saw um, a picture on your website. Actually, I think it was when I was clicking on uh, this link that was, that had a picture of a few of the books that you have. And mm-hmm. I saw Real Food for Pregnancy yeah. in there. Mm-hmm. That is one of my very favorites. And I feel like that's oh, brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's, it's such a good one for, um, for moms to read and really consider what they're putting into their bodies during pregnancy and why they're putting those things into their bodies. Um, but, but yes, like you said, nutrition and movement, um, and then just that, that emotional nesting that you mentioned earlier, all Mm -hmm. of those things prior to labor. Wow. That can really change what you experience. Yeah. And even, you know, like some of the conditions that can develop later in pregnancy that then make you high risk, Mm-hmm. which then kind of force you to abandon your birth plan, such as preeclampsia, you know, is one example. Um, if we understand about blood volume expansion and how important that is and how we can facilitate that with the way that we eat, um, a lot of those late pregnancy complications are related to a lack of blood volume expansion. So again, just having that intentionality in pregnancy sometimes can just mean you're not going to have those complications. Oh, that's or less likely to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Those are so, so great. And so where can everyone go to get that again? Yeah, it's also on the Sister Birth website. So it's sisterbirth.com forward slash gift dash download. Perfect. That is fantastic. That is a download that I already have on my computer and I would recommend everybody do the same. And I'm sure that that's a great Um, kind of overview of what your course is really like too, isn't it? Yeah. It gives you kind of a sense of a lot of what the course would get in a lot more in depth on. Mm -hmm. Awesome. That's Um, the course also has, well, both the handout and the course have a lot of my birth photography in it too. I really wanted to illustrate both of them with um, real images of real people giving birth joyfully and naturally. So um, yeah, like in the course, there's actually a whole section, a couple of them, where I, I used real photographs of people in different birth and pushing positions, laboring oh, and pushing neat. positions. It's like, let's see the actual people instead of the diagrams. Right. Let me show you what this really looks like. Yeah. Oh, that is so cool. Wow. Brooke, thank you so much for being willing to share all of this with the listeners and um, and telling us about your journey. I love to hear how people got to where they are and... Um, and it's so neat to see things changing and how you've put on these different hats and experienced birth from so many different angles that really, that brings a lot, I feel like, to to your childbirth education course um, and, and any other services that you decide to provide in the future. Thank you. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, thank you fun. so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was really great to talk through all that with you. Oh, I'm so glad. And we will definitely keep in touch. Can you uh, go ahead and share your uh, Instagram handle with everyone as well? Mm-hmm. It's just sister birth. Sister birth. Perfect. Mm-hmm. All Brooke. Thanks again. Yeah. Thank you, Caitlin. Okay. I'm going to stop recording. I cannot be the only person that thinks that Brooke should probably have her own podcast because her voice is beautiful and she has got so much amazing information. Am I right? Two hands up. That's me. Okay. So I told you we were going to return to that question of your why. And I love what Brooke talks about in this episode when it comes to your why, how it's different for everybody. And your why might not be your sister's why or your midwife's why. And And just getting intentional and clear with why you are making the decisions that you're making, it just gives you so much oomph, so much extra gumption. And we can apply this not only to birth, but to motherhood as a whole. You know, why am I being intentional? Why am I taking the time to do this and really seeing the long-term goals of what we're trying to accomplish? I want to end on that note. I think that this was an amazing episode. I feel confident that you guys feel the same way. I know that I took so much from it. I hope that you did as well. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and I look forward to seeing you back here next week.